1: Come experience what the Constitution means to me at Paramount's Copley Theater in downtown Aurora from October 4th to November 12th. What the Constitution means to me is hilarious, heartbreaking, and insightful. Tickets are available starting at $40 online, now at ParamountAurora.com. That's ParamountAurora.com.
0: ben jarofsky show for this wednesday september 13th starts now on today's show it's wednesday so that means monroe anderson is here for monroe wednesdays with special guest adolfo mondragon the Ben Jorofsky Show is proudly presented by the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink. If you want to know something that's going on in Chicago, you probably find out about it at ChicagoReader.com. And if you want more Ben Jorofsky, you can find him over at ChicagoReader.com forward slash That's J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y.
1: Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Tommy Tuberville Wednesday, and here's why: because it's Wednesday, and because I got Tommy Tuberville on my mind, and because I have two distinguished guests ready to take the plunge on all things national politics. So let's start with a little national politics. Tommy Tuberville. This is on my mind, ladies and gentlemen. All the things I read in the paper today. This is the one that just, like, is just grinding away at my brain. Adolfo Tuflemundergon and Monroe Anderson standing by, gentlemen. Follow me. What I explain this thing. So Tommy Tuberville is the U.S. senator from the state of Alabama. He's Republican. That doesn't even go far enough. He's MAGA man to the core. He used to be the head football coach at Auburn, and now he is a MAGA man to the core. Loves Donald Trump the way I love fried chicken. So he has decided on his own to prevent any uh, military appointments. By virtue of the fact that he disagrees with Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's position regarding abortion for military service women. Follow me as I explain this, ladies and gentlemen. Just follow me with, with me on this one, okay? So it's now with Roe eviscerated, it's state by state. Some states you can get an abortion, some states you can't get an abortion. The position of Lloyd Austin, the Defense Secretary of the United States, is that if you're a serviceman, state, uh, stationed in Alabama, you should have, or a service woman, you should have the same rights to health care as a service woman situated in Illinois. Alabama abortion is illegal. Illinois abortion is legal. So therefore, the military will give you time off to go to Illinois, in this case, if you're from Alabama, Mississippi, what have you, and get an abortion. Tommy Tuberville, the senator, the MAGA senator from Alabama, thinks that's outrageous. And so as in an act of protest, he is preventing any appointment by Biden to the military to go before the Senate for approval. So they go through committee Senate committee to be approved, but then you got to go before the full Senate to be approved. And he is using this privilege he has. The Senate is a very bizarre institution. They allow individual senators to put a hold on appointments like this to having a vote on these positions. So one of the positions is the chair, the joint chief of staff, General Charles Q. Brown, who was approved by committee in the Senate, but cannot be confirmed as the joint chief uh, the general the chair of the Joint Chief of Staff, because Tommy Tuberville has put a hold on that. So I'm reading this. I'm going, wow, that's a lot of power for Tommy Tuberville. That's a lot of power for the Republican Party, poor Joe Biden and poor Charles Schumer and poor Democrats. And then read into the article and it says, well, you can convene a full Senate vote on uh, overriding Tuberville, but that would be what challenging and difficult to do for all the cases of the cases that uh, Tuberville is holding up. And I'm like, well, let's just start with one. And this list leads to the question I always ask, why are Democrats such wimps? Why do Democrats play the game of politics as though there's a rules and regulations they must follow? I just got finished watching the tennis match in uh, New York. Uh, the great Coco is victorious. Okay, I was absorbed, with, obsessed with tennis all weekend. So Republicans play tennis as though there are no nets and there are no out of bound lines. They can't possibly lose. Democrats play. Oh, there's nets and there's out of bound lines. Call the vote. Force Republicans to vote against Brown. Then use that vote against Republicans. Duh. Has anybody, it, has Charles Schubert not studied him? Adolfo's smiling at this one. Michael Joseph Madigan, of course, is just like been kicked out of Bill. They want to pretend in Illinois like Michael Joseph Madigan doesn't exist. But a guy knew how to play the game when he was House Speaker. If he had his opposition in an embarrassing situation, he would call a vote to get them to force them to vote in an embarrassing way. So you want to embarrass Republican Senators or ducking a Dodge in the abortion issue, which is working against them, then have them vote against G- uh, General Charles Brown on the grounds that they don't think uh, women in uh, service women in Alabama should be allowed to go to Illinois for an abortion. Let's see how that plays. But no, Democrats just haven't figured this out. I've been ranting and railing about this for so many years. I do not understand why Democrats are just so wimpy when it comes to playing the game. Of politics. We're going to talk about this with the 14th Amendment. That's why Adolfo's here. He's got, we're going to we have a whole show about using uh, the 14th Amendment to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. Monroe's going to have an opposing argument on that one. It'd be interesting to see where we go with this. But I do not understand. Why Democrats in both the 14th Amendment issue and the Tommy Tuberville issue are just so wimpy. All right, I'm going to turn things over to my distinguished guests, Monroe Anderson and Adolfo Mondragon. I'll start with you, Monroe. Why are Democrats so wimpy in the case of Tommy Tuberville and uh, General Charles Brown? Go.
2: Because they bring a, a P-pistol to an ARK fight <laughs> and they think it's all fair and square that way because they're armed and the Republicans are armed but it's uh, the Republicans are back shooters they have all sorts of weapons and are not afraid to use them and they will create new weapons every chance they get
1: Adolfo, your thoughts on this?
3: You know, they definitely have a history of being weak on these kind of things going back to the, uh, the Gore Bush election fights, how the Democrats came in all gentlemanly like, and the, the Republicans were like, fuck this. We're going to beat them, you know, yeah. no matter what, mm-hmm. but as to why, why, I don't know. I don't know why the only thing I could think of at this moment is that maybe Democrats, because their weak spot has always been that they get in maybe not more scandals, but they clearly the scandals hurt the most about their extracurriculars like Bill Clinton, etc., cetera, that they somehow feel that they have to be, you know, that homosexual Obama thing, like we go high, you know, because they're, they're tainted uh, so badly. Like right now, Joe Biden with his kid, right? I mean, it's a stupid thing, but it, it, it stains his presidency, even though it shouldn't, but you know, because he has a kid who's, you know, Who's fucking crazy, um, you know, marrying his uh, his brother's uh, widowed wife, and or not marrying her, but having an affair with her, and then doing drugs and all this other shit, um, or Bill Bill Clinton getting blowjobs in the Oval Office or whatever, uh, Gary Hart, you know, uh, on that boat, the monkey business or whatever. So maybe because they have this stigma. About the fact that they're and weak,
2: not is a good, not a good, uh, Adolfo, that's not a good. That's uh, not That's not a good analogy at all. I mean, well, no, it's not an analogy. Trump I'm has, has what all is source, that and more what, No, 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 no. By... Hold on,
3: Monroe. Hold on, hold on, Monroe. Hold on, Monroe. Okay. I'm not saying it's an analogy. What I'm saying is, what is the impetus of them being weakly? You, you didn't give a reason. You just said that they that they are weak. That they bring a P gun to a NAK. We know that they're weak. What I'm trying to explain is why they are weak. Why do they bring the P gun to the ARK fight? And I'm the only thing I can think of is because they feel that they have to go high because they have this baggage that they're always getting hit on. So they have to go high on some things to counter it out. That's my explanation. I know they bring the P-gun. Yeah. I'm explaining why they bring the um, P-gun.
1: Okay. I understand exactly the distinction you're making. And I understand your your attempt to find a motivation for uh to find some logic in an exceedingly illogical position uh adolfo i appreciate that i don't i don't think that's what's motivating them i think actually what's motivating democrats if i'm going to give them their best shot at this is that the election map does not favor them so our system of government uh, pretty much favors The Republicans, even if the Republicans do not have a majority of voters, Monroe and I were talking about this before in the air. So, electoral college system guarantees Republicans a certain number of electoral votes, regardless of how MAGA they go, how extreme they go in their positions. And um, but Democrats have to worry about swing. We're going to get into this in the Fourteenth Amendment issue. Democrats are constantly worried about winning over swing voters because they don't control enough states. To have an outright electoral win,
3: but couldn't you? Couldn't that be a, a reason for them to actually go hard against the Democrat, against the Republicans, then too? Because, because that's like what you argue, Ben. They should be going hardcore against them because they are fucked by the electoral system. So they got nothing to lose at that point. This could actually, you know, get them score them some points. Okay. the The reality is that the
2: Republicans. Out evil the Democrats <laughs> back back in the days of uh um, Reagan. What they did, because at that time I can remember when I was in college in the 60s, conservative was a bad word. In in at Indiana University in Bloomington. I mean uh and what they did was they went local and they started um putting money into these local elections and and spending money in local um, media. And they built a network that the Democrats don't have, didn't pay any attention to that. And um, you also have uh, right wing radio, which is 90 percent of the radio. Where, uh, where they're they're bad mouthing Democrats, uh, Hillary and whoever else is, in any policy, and and so they have, uh, without the most amount of votes or the most amount of people, they have uh, greater control mm-hmm. right now. And of course, they gerrymandered here and there and everywhere. Yeah.
3: Well, where, where I can agree with Monroe is on the evil factor. Maybe a moral a moral <laughs> argument is one that we could use. That maybe to be a Republican, if you're an Ayn uh, a. Rand believer and all that other stuff, you have to live by the convictions of a very hardcore, you know, take no prisoners kind of thing, and that Republicans tend to be more morally bankrupt or if you want to describe it more like the 48 laws of power or whatever, then Democrats generally are, I could buy something like that too.
1: All right. Well,
2: well, one other thing real quickly mm -hmm. is that we have to factor in that the Democrats are former Republicans and the Republicans are former Democrats. Yes.
1: You're talking about the Southern. Yes. You're
2: Exactly. And so, um, the reason, if he go back to Reconstruction, the North back then, which would have been the Republicans, caved in to the Democrats, who are now the Republicans, mm-hmm. and so it's it's a continuous line uh, that's not clear because the names and seats have been changed, but it's the same old hustle
1: going yeah. on. So just so this point is not lost, concentrate on what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen. Senator Tuberville, the MAGA man from Alabama, is holding up a confirmation vote in the Senate for the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff uh, nominee, Charles Brown. Unless the Democrats, the Joe Biden administration, changes their policy on allowing servicewomen in red states to travel to blue states to get an abortion. And I will read to you, Adolfo and, uh, and Monroe, the the key paragraph in today's New York Times. Tuberville denies that the holds are hurting the military but and insists that Democrats could put each job to a vote on the Senate floor. A process that would take hours per nomination. And so the Democrats aren't doing it because it takes too long. For now. That is the dumbest strategy. Bring Brown to vote right now. And I ask you, Adolfo, if the roles are reversed and the Republicans had the Democrats on the ropes and all it would take is one showdown vote on a nominee to expose the Republican stance on the issue of abortion or or an issue that was very unpopular, Do you think they would hesitate because it would take hours? They would have already called that vote. It would have been an embarrassing debate that would humiliate the Democrats and ultimately force some Democrats to vote with the Republicans. The point is they wouldn't sit back and go, oh, poor us.
2: Timing is everything, Ben. And so we aren't there yet. Um, Miley has to step down. In in uh weeks and so when he has to step down is when they should do that right before he has to step down where it's going to be vacant and and i'm hoping i don't know but i'm guessing and i'm hoping that that's what they're waiting for so it will dramatize it and heighten it even more
1: well i, I hope so too i should they should start there's a lot of vacancies uh That the Tuberville's holds are affecting, and that I think they should start to process now, and I think they should put the Republicans on the defensive now, and I think they should fire up their base on the issue of abortion now. And I'm so sick of Democrats just being chicken and not afraid to go into the uh, and too afraid to go into the fray. And I don't know why they do it, Uh, Adolfo. I'm not quite sure. It's because they're embarrassed about. bill clinton or you know or any of their uh foibles from the past i just think there's just something about the democratic party people who get elected as democrats statewide they just they don't have the instincts or maybe, the maybe
3: maybe it is that uh, you know if it's not if it's not that they're going high when they go low and if it's not that they're just generally more morally bankrupt uh, then maybe it's just again, like uh, Monroe was saying about the 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 the, the Republican voters will. Ride and die with their elected officials, whereas Democrats will say, "Well, maybe I'll go third party, maybe I'll go this way, whatever." So maybe the Republicans feel that they could do whatever the fuck they want because no matter what they do, their 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 base is always solid. You know, it doesn't matter.
1: I I don't know. All right, let's move on to the Fourteenth Amendment. Uh, I hope uh, Charles Schumer is listening to this show. And tomorrow we'll start uh, calling up some of these uh, nominees for a vote. And let's put the the Republicans on the defensive for once. Come on. Schumer. All right. Um, so here's the situation. I'm utterly obsessed. <laughs> Poor Adolfo uh, Monroe. I sent him so much stuff to read. So uh, I'm obsessed. i already did one show about this uh, with David Ferris. You can listen to it. Uh, we talked about it uh, over to, uh, the weekend about the uh, 14th Amendment and the provision in the 14th Amendment that uh, clearly states uh, that any public official who has taken an oath to the Constitution, who uh, thereafter uh, joins up with an insurrection against uh, uh, the government, is ineligible to run for office. It states that, uh, or ineligible to hold office. It states that uh, in the Constitution. And a couple of law professors, including one from the University of Chicago, William Baudy, uh wrote a, a very learned, and very dense, 126-page law review article laying out the case from a conservative textualist point of view. So these are conservative legal scholars, ladies and gentlemen. These are Republicans, essentially. These are not Democrats who are making this argument. Okay, can't say it's Charles Schumer's argument. These are argument by two Federalist Society law professors. And they read the language in the 14th Amendment, and they applied it to Donald Trump's role in the January 6th insurrection. And they came to the conclusion that it is irrefutable. Donald Trump is ineligible to run for office. And it's like a cry. (laughs) Really, it's for the Republicans in this uh, in this campaign. Because any Republican who's running for the Republican nomination right now, Monroe and Adolfo, be it Ron DeSantis, be it Chris Christie, be it Vivek uh, Ramaswamy or Mike Pence, his only chance or her only chance in the case of Nikki Haley is to have Donald Trump booted from the ballot or found ineligible. So they should be filing challenges. And I thought of Adolfo when I read this. Because, Adolfo, this is classic ballot access. And I would love for you to explain this. Adolfo Mandragon, in addition to being a dear friend of this show and um, a dear friend of mine, uh, is an election lawyer. This dude has filed so many cases, either to kick someone off the ballot and not let them run for office, or to fight, attempt to uh, to kick them off the ballot and keep them on. I say to you, Adolfo, this is classic ballot access. It's like if you fill in your forms wrong, you can't run in Chicago. So if you join an insurrection of the government after taking an oath to office, you can't run in Chicago. Please explain a little further and tell me if you agree with me.
3: Yeah, I I think I I, I agree with you. Um, Generally, I have to explain uh, that the federal government kind of Treats states on a hands off in terms of how they deal with their elections, unless there is an issue or problem that rises to a federal violation of some sort, like generally like discrimination, right? Um, So generally the the federal government likes to keep their hands off of how each state runs their electoral process. Um, But the Constitution also has ballot access provisions. You have to be a certain age to run for president, to run for Congress, um, so so there are rules even within the Constitution in terms of who can um, be an elected official at the federal level, and so this is no different. in In that sense, it's not an age requirement, but what it is, it's it's kind of um, it's a uh, it's a loyalty argument, I guess. It's a loyalty requirement in that if you've previously uh, given uh taken an oath to defend the constitution and then you've acted uh against that oath that that you're barred from ever holding federal office or no it actually it goes wider than that it says state's office too I think. Um so it's no different than the requirement that you be of a certain age. is no different than the requirement that you submit X amount of signatures. It's no different than the requirement that you have to have lived in a certain place for a certain amount of time before you could run for office to represent the people of that community. Um, it's just another, another requirement that has to be met. And if you don't meet it, then you cannot run. So it's definitely a ballot access issue when you think of it in that terms. Um it's a fourteenth amendment issue specifically because the provision that provides this um th- this uh this this um thing that rules you uh, out of holding office is is within the the fourteenth amendment. Um but uh but yeah it's uh, it's classic ballot access. It's if 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 you um happen to do this then you are disqualified you cannot hold office and so uh yeah it, it's uh it's it's it, when it comes down to it at its most basic form it is definitely a ba- ballot access issue
1: all right so you've specialized in ballot access cases as I said on both sides trying to kick someone off trying to keep someone on so let's well, say
3: I, I, in the state of Illinois, no attorney can be a specialist in anything. Let me just put that disclaimer in there. But I have taken election law cases. Fair, fair enough.
2: Okay, okay. So, it's like, so okay. I'm I'm going I'm going to dare to disagree with Adolfo on this one. Okay, oh, okay. This, okay. Okay, that amendment is uh, a result of the Civil War. And this is basically to keep Robert E. Lee and, and his ilk uh, from being able to run for office. I mean, that was the intent. It's only been used once since then, and that was very recently, to get one of the January 6th um, traitors. We have, but the—so Adolfo, obviously, who knows the law, is right about the law. But politically speaking— um, if 91 in uh, counts of uh, four indictments has not changed um, Trump's people's mind, in fact, has fired them up more. If we start trying to knock him off of ballots and states, um, there could be rioting in the streets.
1: All right, so that's a political argument. Political, uh, yeah, not political legal argument, but not illegal. So, yeah. well, all right, I'm gonna, I'm holding that here, and I'm gonna well, it's, hard,
3: it's part of a legal argument too. It's, it's the argument that <clears throat> I would use if I was a Republican trying to keep Trump. The legal portion of Monroe's argument is that this only pertains. the, the legislative intent was to only uh, prevent people post the Civil War who uh, who were on the side of the Confederacy from holding office. <laughs> The the problem with that argument from the textualist point of view, from the conservative federalist point of view, is that when you look at the text, if the legislators in 1865 wanted to keep just the people who participated in the Confederacy, they would have put specific terms in there. And in fact, when you look into the legislative history, which is now departing from a textualist argument, because textualists don't like to look at the legislative history. But if you add that to the argument, you will see that the Congress did consider limiting it very specifically to people who were on the side of the Confederacy and they rejected the language because they were motivated obviously by the civil war and by the immediate uh, danger of having people who were sympathetic to the Confederacy now join in in the post-Civil War era. Um, But, They also had in mind that if this could happen to them now, what was to prevent it from happening uh, 20 years from then, 40 years from then, 100 years from then? And so the language they chose, which was much broader and to the point, the fact that they rejected specific language, limiting it to people who uh, uh, partook in the Confederacy, is evidence that the legislative intent uh, looked far farther into the future than just the life of people who uh, were uh, people who participated in the Confederacy.
1: Absolutely. The language in the constitution is broad enough uh, that it, it prohibits anybody uh, from holding office. If they engaged in uh, an insurrection or rebellion against uh, the United States government, not just, someone who is a member of the Confederacy. It's written broad enough. There's no specifications uh, about uh, having been a Confederate soldier. Now, where Monroe is correct is that it has never been used uh, to remove someone from office uh, post-Civil War until this year. A case in New Mexico with a uh, county commissioner... A judge ruled him ineligible, removed from office because uh, his name is Griffin. He had participated in the January 6th insurrection. He was one of whom stormed the Capitol. He was booted out of office. He's gone. See ya. Don't want to be ya on the grounds of the 14th Amendment. And in two other instances, as I've sent Adolfo the articles, poor Adolfo over one with these articles, uh, there was a case filed against Marjorie Taylor Greene Congresswoman out of Georgia uh, to have her removed because she participated. That case lost because the judge ultimately decided, Adolfo, that there was no evidence that Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, had participated in in the insurrection. The judge did not argue that the 14th Amendment didn't apply. He said that we have no evidence that she um, did not participate in the insurrection which is why he led her to continue to be Congress. That was the case where, where she actually had to testify, Adolfo reminded me of this, where she kept going, I don't remember this, I don't remember that. It's funny how her memory just faded uh, when she mm-hmm. was on the stand. So, all right, Adolfo, so let's say Monroe and I talked you in uh, to taking this case. Let's just say we were able to talk you into doing this. How would you proceed in the state of Illinois uh, to uh, regarding this matter with Donald Trump?
3: Well, you know, I have to think about it a little bit more. But there's there's a couple problems with this um, case against Donald Trump in that, unlike the 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 guy that uh, they used it against in what what did you say, Colorado? I think uh, New Mexico. Uh, yeah. No, New Mexico. Yeah. Or you know, uh, there I presuming that there was definitive evidence that he participated in the in the January sixth uh, insurrection, like there was a photograph of him going into the building or something like that. Mm-hmm. With Trump, it's more like with um, Major e. Taylor, where you know you first have to prove that he was an insurgent. Now, while I believe that the evidence is overwhelming, he's going to have that day in court right, right. soon, right? Where they'll first determine whether or not he was an insurgent. So, in order to proceed with the case in Illinois or in any state, you would first have to have a trial, like they did in Florida with uh, Major e., uh, Taylor, whatever her name is, Georgia, right? To To determine whether whether or not, first of all, he's an insurgent. So the difficulty there would be you would have to put basically the January sixth trial before you can before then you could get to the question of whether or not this provision in the Fourteenth Amendment prohibits him from being on the ballot. Now, there might be an alternative route to do this, where there's something called a declaratory action. It's usually used in insurance cases where you go. And you ask the judge, look, I have a policy, an insurance policy, and we want you to decide whether or not this policy covers this situation. Because if it doesn't, then we can't sue. And if it does, then the insurance company's on the hook. That's what it's usually used for. But you could use a deck action to give a a question uh, to a court and say, like, assuming these facts, uh, you know, would this law prohibit that? Now, the danger with that is that, there's a clause about uh, there has to be a controversy in order for a case to actually go up before a court. A controversy means that there actually has to be a, uh, a problem. So declaratory actions are kind of asking like, well, in theory, would this, you know, bar somebody from doing it or whatever. In the insurance cases, there's more of a controversy because the accident already happened and you're now asking like, well, under these circumstances, will the insurance policy cover this here? Again, you haven't proved yet that Trump is an insurgent. So you're kind of putting the, the cart before the exactly. horse. Exactly. And, and that's the that's the procedural problem with these cases yeah. is that right now it's just, it's just theoretical. Until you actually get a finding, a, f- a judicial finding, or some kind of easy evidence to demonstrate that trump is in fact an insurgent like if he was in the building like you know holding a MAGA flag and like oh well, it's like
2: he tried know. to do he tried to go but the secret service wouldn't let it wouldn't take-
3: right right he didn't yeah. still take the, the steering wheel and try to like exactly. turn the car around or whatever exactly. Exactly. right but had he actually shown up on the on the on the on the, on the stairs of the uh you know yeah. the capitol building yeah. Then maybe you could say, like, that fact alone makes him an insurgent, right? Or a, uh, a participant or whatever. He crossed but, into the Capitol building because he can
2: right. go there by invitation.
3: It's not his building. Right, right, right. And yeah, exactly. But because we don't have that, we have to wait till the actual trial to declare him an insurgent. Once the trial declares him, a jury finds him guilty and declares him. Uh, Guilty of having participated in an insurgency or motivated or whatever it is that they're charging him with, then you could do the the case against them. And that's the biggest obstacle with these cases that you first would have to put a trial like they did in Florida to prove that Trump is an insurgent or Georgia that that, uh, you know, he's an insurgent. Yeah.
1: Okay. so um, pushing back a little bit. As the only person in the state of Illinois who's actually read the 126-page law review article, very proud of this fact, Uh, Adolfo Monroe, I actually read the thing. Uh, uh, The professor body deals with all of this. Uh, And so to answer uh, your question, the question I asked you, he would say uh, that uh, attorney – Maybe it wouldn't be Adolfo. It could be anybody. Any attorney goes before, I guess, the Illinois Board of Election Commissioners, that they're the body that oversees the Illinois ballot uh, and make the argument that uh, Donald Trump uh, is uh, ineligible to run because he participated in insurgency. And then in the 126-page law review article, body lays out the acts that Donald Trump uh, did that uh, would make him ineligible. Number one, calling Mike Pence and asking Mike Pence to illegally uh, count electoral votes that are illegal that are not real uh number two calling the secretary of state of georgia and telling the throw out we have the evidence of that ladies and gentlemen we have it on tape uh to throw out votes what monroe usually knows the number eleven thousand, whatever it is vote.
2: 870
1: yeah okay get rid of them if yeah. that's not evidence i don't know what else is the, the full call to the uh the, the election uh, officials in michigan Telling them, hey, just vote against certifying the elect the the results out of Detroit. If we get enough black votes off the uh, that don't count, I'll win Michigan. Okay, if there you go. There's a little more evidence. So what Professor Body presents.
3: Go ahead. Part of part of like so procedurally, like so, if you proceeded instead of through a court, and you went through the administrative agency of the Illinois State Board of Elections, the rules might be more lax in terms of providing the evidence. There, you might be able to quote and say. Uh, you know, this board could take judicial notice that, you know, that Trump made this phone call on this certain day to Pence and that it's public knowledge now that he said this or that. Right. The the the, the, the problem you'll we'll have, maybe not in Illinois, is that I've, I read just today, is that a lot of these board of election presidents in the different states are saying we don't have that power to make that call. So unless you go through a court, we're not doing anything. So we're just stopping that argument right now. Yeah. And, um, and
1: yes, go ahead. Finish your thoughts. Mm -hmm.
3: And so that so then it would depend on whether or not the board would be receptive to being the the fact finder and declaring Trump an insurgent and then applying the rule, because the rule is pretty clear. I think the, the legal argument is pretty clear. The trouble here would be like, can he get away with like in Georgia where he can say that he was not an insurgent because these things don't run. Now, I think it's overwhelming evidence, as you as do you, that he was an insurgent. I mean, he was one of the main masterminds. He was the mastermind behind it. Um, but, you know, these boards of elections, because they're administrative already, they have less, um, you know, judicial power. Let's say, put it that way, judicial power than uh, then, then a federal court, or you know, uh, or even a state court in declaring something, uh, they're gonna be more hesitant, or they're gonna be reticent to, to say like, well, you know, I'm not gonna go there, even if I agree that this rule applies, I'm not gonna say that factually this guy is an insurgent under the meaning of the you know Fourteenth Amendment, right? So,
2: sure. all right, it's so- mainly political. I'm not, I, you know, because I can't. I don't want to go get into Adolfo's lane because I don't know how to do that well. But politically, uh, 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 Trump's whole pitch is that they're doing this to him because he's so wonderful and he's doing all this great stuff for America and he's done all this great stuff for them and they're after him. for. And so that would be another... Um, underscoring of right. his message is that, okay, they're so desperate to stop me because I'm so wonderful yeah. that they're coming up with this, this, this law that it, uh, has, has never been used except once.
1: Well, if it, it applies uh, in, in New Mexico, but let's put the political end, but we'll come back to the political end. I've not forgotten the political end. I'm going to go back to something uh, that Adolfo said. Okay, And every lawyer knows this. Yeah. I'm not a lawyer, but I watch a lot of legal uh, t- shows on TV, and I've interviewed a lot of lawyers. Every lawyer knows this. There's no 100% guarantee you're going to win your case with under Mundergaard. You bring it to court. You didn't know you were going to beat Danny Solis when you brought that court trial case to court. You're you, you were going up against Danny Solis, Michael Joseph Vatican Edward Burke. You knew your chances are you were going to lose, and you did lose, although the technical, uh, technical aspect, you claimed victory, and I I conceded that point, took you out for dinner. So the point is, there's no guarantee. You're absolutely correct. You take a case to court, you may lose. It all comes down to the judge. I've told this for a million times. It all comes down to the judge. So, yeah, an administrative uh, overseer at the State Board of Election may go, ah, uh, I'm not sticking my neck out. I'm just some schmo hearing officer. I'm going to boot Donnie Trump from the ballot in the state of Illinois, have MAGA screaming at me, have MAGA threatening my family. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. On the other hand, they may go, yeah, I can't stand Donnie Trump. I'm going to kick him off the ballot. You don't know until you file that case, Adolfo. You file right. 50 well, of those cases in every state, one per state. All it takes is one state. Right. One state at all critical, whole, one state. One we, critical state. One critical
2: state. Right, no, right. no, no.
1: Follow me on this. Okay. One state, because it's going to the it's going to the supremes. It's going it to the supremes supreme, no matter what. And so it's supreme gonna come down to a supreme. Not the baby supremes here in Illinois. I'm talking about know, know. US okay. Supremes. So you're gonna need five. It's gonna ultimately come to it's the Supreme. supreme. And a, they're making a they're making a textual argument. Their argument is the core principle that supposedly motivates Neil Gorsuch, Amy Coney Barrett, Brett Kavanaugh, that every word in the Constitution is sacred, and you should not deviate from the Constitution at any point. You have to act exactly, precisely, Adolfo Mundragon. The way the Constitution says, you, you know, get some judge in some state to rule in your favor, go to the Supremes, president. make your argument. Go ahead. All right. Yeah, but they're
2: all... already twisted and, and t- turned and uh, jumped through hoops to change that when it suits them, their, their politics.
1: So so, uh, so you think know. you would lose because in the end know. they would be hacks.
2: I, I would not be surprised if we lost.
1: So here you guys, you guys are typical Democrats. You hold back from a fight because you're afraid you might lose. You know, because- no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that either, Ben.
3: I'm just saying that that there are there are challenges to getting the, the outcome that you want. Now, in terms of whether it or not it's worth it, whether you win or lose, that's a different question. And then also you have to take into consideration who will finance this and who will have standing, because if you do it. In Illinois, you would have to do it as a Republican challenging in a Republican election. You couldn't be a Democrat because that would give you no standing. You're not voting for Donnie if you're a Democrat. That's true. So you'd have to find a Republican, one. And second, you would have to find somebody with deep pockets who would finance this because this kind of litigation is not cheap. Yeah, And it, it requires that you get also expert testimony from like those professors at the U of C to come in or at least write an amicus brief for you or something like that. Yeah.
1: Right. And, and, and than, by the way, Chris Christie, are you listening? Come on. You're right. the Republican. You would yeah. benefit. You have standing in this issue. Donnie Trump is the lead is the is the number one in the polls. You can't become president. Uh you can't be the nominee if Donnie Trump's running. And he's clearly ineligible to run because he would participate in an insurrection, violating his oath, his constitutional oath. It's so obvious. Even the textualists say it. I'm not, don't blame me, the New Deal Democrat. I'm just quoting textualists. Monroe, go ahead. Everything yeah. is reversed. Usually Monroe yeah. is the one saying and go hard.
2: Right, exactly. And the politics are
1: that
2: uh-huh. anybody who touches this. Is working uh, against Biden and for Trump. That's it just politically. It's just bad. But I, I you know. But while we have Adolfo here, and while we have Georgia going on, I would like to hear his opinion on whether Fannie Willis is too ambitious by having 19 people, or can she handle that, uh, or, or not? Is that going to work? For her, her or against her or for Trump?
1: Wait, hold on. Before we switch to, away from this issue, we'll come back to that Georgia question. I do want to ask Adolfo this, the, uh, the Monroe question, and that is the political question. Uh, and um, so do you think that if this case is pursued, well, first of all, do you think this case is pursued? You can get five Supreme Court justices to sign on to it, or do you agree with Monroe that ultimately the um, the Supremes would duck out of this one because they're too chicken and too much uh, in, in the pockets of the Republican Party? I
3: think under this current Supreme Court, it might be a flip of a coin Yeah, because there's balancing things here. There's their their intellectual foundation of what they stand and believe for and their textualism and, you know, and then there is definitely their political side because they are political beings, no matter how much they deny it. And we've proved it now with all the influence that in terms of money that goes into the Supreme court, um, whether it's, you know, uh, funding their, their nomination, to the Supreme court or whether once they're there, it's funding their lifestyles. Right. So it would, it would bash those two things together. And I think it would be a flip of a coin in terms of whether or not this, this Supreme court would rule um, in, you know, against uh, Donald Trump. But here's the other thing in terms of the political and the legal kind of also meeting together. Yeah. I thought, you know, First of all, on the t- on the timeline, could you even get a decision from the Supreme Court fast enough to prevent Trump from running if he is the 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 nominee, which he probably will be, right? If if, if um, wait,
1: what do they call it? Like if, if tomorrow or if within a month, you file suit on behalf of Chris Christie? it uh, it take
3: about about two years or a year to get it before the Supreme. I don't, Court.
1: I don't, I think it would go right to him because this is. A I don't
3: know unless unless you had you had um. Courts below that would just punt and say, like, I'm not even ruling on this because this deserves to go straight to the Supreme Court, and would facilitate that. Um, It wouldn't, and even if it did, it would still take months to get there, and then to be briefed and argued, and then decided. Unless the Supreme Court said this is like you know, like the election cases where like we need to rule like in a week, and then we'll just rule out this. Yeah, but but the chances of that happening are really, really,
2: really low. The Supremes are gonna say. Let the voters decide. We can't handle this. We can't do this in due time. The but
3: election... but here's so here's the so so here's where the 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 legal might trump all of the dangers on the political side. What, you know because it will it will build an insurrection against you know just America in general from you know southern bigots and whatever trying to 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 whatever at the levels of government right whatever, but. Yeah. There are cases, there's a there's there's a stream of cases that say that even if something is already completed, like it, it came comes out of the abortion cases, that even if a woman already has given birth and no, you know, and she's fighting for her right to have an abortion, the fact that she already gave gave birth doesn't make, doesn't moot the case. Because this is something that is probably going to recur many times over. So the same principle could be put to this, even if if uh, Trump gets to run before there's an ultimate decision on this, it doesn't moot the case yeah. because it could be applied immediately to future presidents and future congressmen and future senators and future county sheriffs and future whatever. So just on that basis alone, it might be worth it to pursue it, even though it's in vain against Donny Trump, because ultimately you will either get people who will rule against you or who will, uh, it won't do it in time to prevent them from running. It still might be worthwhile to do. And also because of all the political things that could happen in terms of riling up bigots and all of this other stuff. Uh, It still might be worth it because it would get a judicial bright line rule that might prevent this from happening in the future, and if if Donald Trump gets to run, believe me, it will open the door wide open to having this thing happen again and again from the local level all the way up to the presidency. Oh yeah,
1: no, I I actually think it's a very important fundamental issue. I agree with the uh, law professors. Uh, Donald Trump clearly uh, participated or led, you could say, uh, the insurrection. Oh, he did. Yeah. It's a complete violation of the Constitution. It's just it's a no brainer. Neil Gorsuch would have to vote unless he wants to just throw away every principle that he supposedly adheres to. He's a textualist. He says he's a textualist. Amy Coney Barrett would have to. But now, but, the three Democrats but, Benny, again, whip like out. Said, right.
3: but, but Benny, like Monroe said, courts love to say, you know, I know you're probably right, but this is this issue is right. not ripe yet, or this is something that the that the people should decide, or you know, there's no standing here. When it's convenient, they find a way to they kick find things. A way. Right. Yeah, you're and right. In fact, that's been that's been a, a principle, a canon. In in courts that whenever you don't have to reach an issue, you don't. That yes. that is a rule. That is a rule of jurisprudence. Whenever you don't have to reach the issue, you can just say, "For today, we don't have to rule on that. We will rule it on another day or whatever when the time comes." No, and that's what they'll do. That's
1: what old Boy Scalia did in uh, with uh, the the vote case in two thousand. Uh, Gore versus Bush. He goes this is this one case, this one time. That's all and it matters. You're right, guys. You're absolutely correct. Judges are political animals, and the judges looking at this case and they go, Ugh, I want to be the guy that booted Donnie off the ballot. No way. I even think the three Democrats on the Supremes would be too scared to do it. You got what I'm saying And no it's not
2: it's not fear with them it's it's um it's political. I mean, you. you sometimes doing good is bad and you have to you have to weigh that in, in decisions in the real world not in the theoretical world
1: i also think it's fear if maga doesn't play and i'm watching uh just here in chicago uh, stacy davis gates was on the show yesterday uh and uh she upset maga and they're coming after a hard they're coming after a kids maga does not play they all the polls are gone, Monroe. You you mentioned uh, uh, Bonnie Willis down in Georgia, yeah. the prosecuting attorney yeah. who's got Trump and eighteen others uh, for uh, charges right. of trying to steal the election. Right. They have come after her right. so hard. Right, so, I believe there's a fear motivated They go going there. after
2: Bragg and they're going after uh, uh, Chunkin. Yes. Yeah, they're going they, anybody who goes against their dear leader. Yes.
1: They come hard, they come strong, and they make threats. But it's, but uh, and it's Well, not...
3: here, you know, and, and Benny, here, ultimately, I think the reason why they're coming at everyone and the reason why Monroe is is very right in fearing all the political ramifications and the social ramifications of doing this is because the, the you know... The underlying pinning thing to all of this is that America is at a tipping point in terms of racial population. The reason all of this shit is happening from Trump's presidency from before that, from the antagonism against Obama, you know from day 1 where they had a, a cabal meeting and said we're going to do everything possible to fuck this president up is because the demographics of this country we've known about it i've said this on the show we've known about it for 30 40 years that inevitably this country would become brown more brown progressively and as that happened and as people got more progressive because there would be more intermarriages and etc that the White bigots in this country or the people who who feel that their white privilege is something that they should keep are going to be so threatened that they will do everything possible to keep to either mitigate it or to keep it from happening at all. That's why all of this is happening. It's happening to put a monkey wrench in the inevitable browning of America. That's yeah. that's at the root of this problem. All of this shit is uh, is 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 caused by that. Whether somebody will say it openly or not, that's basically it. All of this stuff All right. is at the root of its problem. Is the cancer of this democracy from the inception was slavery and was the race issue. It always has been. It always will be unless things change because this society changes the way it looks and the way it acts and the way it believes about stuff and there is a segment in America whether they are hardcore bigots or not that benefit from the way things have always been and they are doing everything possible through every means through the courts through the, the through elections through local rules through banning books through whatever they can do to put the brakes on this enough or to try to stop it if they can from happening because eventually this country will look very, very different and things will have to change. And that's why all of these supremacists and whatever are talking about another civil war, because to them, it is, it's like they're living in 1863 to them. It's like their livelihoods losing the first civil war. A lot of them. They, right. They never got over. They never got over losing the first one. This country right. never did get over okay. the first one. So
1: right. that that great riff you said it like Monroe Anderson. Uh, that that's a, a theme that Monroe has been pushing for four years, right? Monroe, is that yeah. correct? That right. was like the Monroe Doctrine. That's the Monroe doc, the real Monroe Doctrine. Okay. Right. Uh so let me just close with this. We'll tie everything together. So the foundation of the language in the 14th amendment that uh, Donald Trump has clearly violated is rooted in the civil war, Adolfo and Monroe. It's rooted in the civil war. And these two, not me, not Benny, not the new deal Democrat, not the guy who's only voted for one Republican his entire life, or maybe two, two conservative textualists have said Donald Trump is ineligible to run for president because he has clearly violated the U.S. Constitution. All right? But follow me on this. Because of the political ramifications, the Democrats are afraid to push it because they're worried about that MAGA mob, and they're worried about the fact that maybe some swing voter in suburban Milwaukee may join the MAGA mob because if you push too hard. Meanwhile, Monroe Anderson and Adolfo Mondragon, Republicans, on the other hand, are impeaching, have begun impeachment proceedings against Joe Biden, even though they have no evidence whatsoever that he did absolutely anything wrong in conjunction with his sleazy son, Hunter. All they have is that he has a sleazy son named Hunter. Okay, (laughs) that's all. It is not an impeachable offense to have a sleazy son. And yet they don't care about political so they ramifications. They don't care about swing voters in Wisconsin. They don't care if they have a case. They pursue it anyway. years, Monroe, that's the difference between Democrats and Republicans. Democrats have a dead case that's been articulated by Republicans against Donald Trump, but they won't enforce it because they're afraid of the politics. Republicans have no case against Joe Biden, but they're beginning impeachment proceedings anyway. The floor is yours, Monroe.
2: And that's not a good analogy. The difference is that the Republicans are so desperate and so stupid that they're doing stuff that is hurting them. Impeaching Biden is going to almost all but guarantee that the Dems get the House back and keep the Senate and have the White House. Yeah. So this 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 is why. uh, god, the uh s- senator from Pennsylvania, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his oh, name, uh, Fetterman, Fetterman, yeah, hey, Fetterman. He said, Bring <laughs> it on, throw me in that yeah. dryer patch, you know. <laughs> uh,
1: he, he did say he was pretty funny. I saw that clip where he, oh, I'm so scared. Oh, <laughs> uh. All right, Adolfo, uh, your thoughts about this, the the point I made. Go ahead.
3: Well, I I think the most poignant thing that you said there was the fact that, um, you know, tying this law, the 14th Amendment, to the Civil War, when in fact we're still fighting the fucking Civil War. We right. never, we never got over it, right? I mean, whether it was Jim Crow immediately after, or, or, or our more recent um, manifestations of this fight with. Uh, Police brutality and uh, you know uh, 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 all the biases that 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 yeah. are that that are in all of our institutions, whether it's banking and and redlining and you know not approving loans to right. to the right. medical, where like if you're poor, you you don't get the same diagnosis or test treatment that you do that if you were white and privileged, etc. Is that all of this is rooted? In the race issue is rooted in our constant fight against this cancer of discrimination. And so that's another reason why this damn section three of uh, of, of, of the 14th Amendment does apply. Because even if you argue that it's solely about the civil war well what the fuck we're still fighting the civil war today you know so it, it's 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 all relevant and and yeah and 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 it, you know i i get monroe I, I i'm also fearful of the political and social ramifications of stirring up this pot because if they did january 6 god knows what else they might do but i'm also kind of confident that now with all of the judicial um You know, findings against these instigators and the jail sentences, et cetera, that that might also temper some of these people from acting up. And, you know, but there's definitely a conflict brewing. And from time to time over the years, it has gotten violent, whether it's in the 60s with the violence from that era, or now what we're experiencing through the police brutality and targeting of minorities or whatever. This stuff will get violent before it's 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 it, we finally reach an understanding and and move forward progressively, and okay. and so we can't totally be afraid of of that stirring some yeah, violence. Yeah, no, it's not my fear. I,
2: I'm not afraid of this. My argument is that we got him on ninety one counts. <laughs> Why throw why, why throw something else in there that's unnecessary? Fair enough. His, his ass is grass.
1: Yeah.
2: So let it go because yeah. we 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 can we can we can make this move after he's in in um orange suit and handcuffs. And we go. Oh, and by the way. The motherfucker shouldn't have been able to run anyway because of this. And and and, and then do that part. But uh but I would say right now we don't need it and so we sh- we shouldn't use it.
1: All right. Uh so we'll close with this. I wanna uh force both of you to address uh the Monroe uh statement that he made a little while ago. That's a good riff, Monroe. Uh so Monroe said with uh without any hesitation, Adolfo. Uh, that in his humble opinion, uh, the Re- a Republican move uh, the, in Congress to impeach or to begin pr- uh, impeachment proceedings against Joe Biden will hurt the Republicans. Do you agree with him on, from a political standpoint? Do you agree with Monroe?
3: I think it can, um, particularly when they see that it goes nowhere, that's all fluff. But, you know, it's kind of, you know, like, but when, when will it, when, when will it backfire against them? You know, it's like these guys who get caught on corruption, they go, they, they get caught when they're like 90 years old. And at the end of, after they've done fucking years and years of, you know, like, yeah, there's some satisfaction to them going to jail at that point, but It would have been nicer if they would have been caught like 50 years prior, right? So, like the timing of it, like when will it backfire? It's not gonna backfire anytime soon. It will eventually happen. And then people will say, ah, it happened so long ago. Fuck it. Blah, blah, blah.
1: I I think it uh, but Raw, I'm gonna push back and get your response to this. I think it helps them. I think it muddies the water. I think it enables them to say, ah, they're but I could just hear your typical uh (laughs) Chicago motor. I can hear, ah, they all do it. Biden did it.
2: No, that's the the intent. Yeah. That's the design. But what I'm saying is it's not going to work. First of all, um, Biden's entire reputation for 50 years or whatever has been Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Clean, the family man. And so they're going against type, going against um, image. And now it, it will hurt a little bit, but not enough. And the other thing is Trump is, he, he is going to be every day for the next year and a half, um, on trial. Yeah. And, um, this is a, uh, what, the, what the Republicans are going for is a, um, giant what about
1: Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what they're yeah. doing.
2: It's, it's, and,
1: that's exactly and, what they're doing.
2: It's not, not going to work. It's not going to hope.
1: All right. Well, we'll be following this uh, for a while. We can't answer this in this one particular show, but I'll close by saying this. Uh, I feel that uh, essentially Adolfo uh, has basically agreed with Monroe that it's not worth his time to pursue such a a lawsuit in the state of Illinois. I think, uh, Monroe, you've convinced him of that, and I utterly failed uh, to convince him otherwise, as I generally fail to convince people in this city (laughs) to go against what they've been doing all their lives, and they end up voting for Rom over and over again and daily, et cetera, and so forth. However, Chris Christie, if you're listening, and I know you're a regular listener to this show and you want a chance to defeat Donnie Trump. The best way to defeat him is to get him off the ballot. If that's the case, I got Adolfo Munrogun's phone number and his email address. I'll be happy to provide them to you. I'll bet Adolfo will be singing a different tune. If it was Chris Christie, going, Hey, Adolfo file this case. And then Monroe next week, Adolfo will be on this show and he'd be like, and this is why Donald Trump is not eligible to run for office and I cite section 3 of the 14th amendment and I will say I tried to tell you that a week ago
2: if you recall yes 3 years ago I told you that if the on this show that if the Republicans won back the house they were going to indict
1: yes you did you predicted nobody. that Impeach him. Right. Yes, that you did, I say, that. Yeah,
2: impeach yeah. Yeah. did
1: say
2: that. Yeah, did say that. Right.
1: You did that. Your prediction came true. <laughs> it took a little longer than yeah, either right. one of us yeah. thought, okay? Yeah. Uh, and clearly Kevin McCarthy is doing this because he's in danger with the the wackiest of wackos in right. MAGA. Uh, right. And uh, there's a lot of political s- connections to the debt ceiling issues, et cetera, and so forth. But you're absolutely correct. You predicted it. Uh, any f- closing thoughts you would like to utter,
3: Adolfo, before we close the show down? Uh, just to say that I, I no, I think that the argument, the legal argument, is um, is airtight. I think that they are absolutely these two professors are absolutely correct. Um, whether or not it's feasible legally, or there are reasons for it, you know, not to do it socially. Um, to move against Trump on this basis at this point or whatever, is a different question. But no doubt that I think that they are absolutely right that the Constitution prohibits him from uh, holding office ever again. Absolutely,
1: I agree with you on that one. And I think Monroe agrees with us as well on that particular point. He just well, I do think...
2: know the legal. It's not, it, it, <laughs> you know, it's just like when we were doing the Biden-Bernie bro argument. I was I was saying, in fact, then that. Uh, Biden was adopting Bernie's positions. Yeah. But if it was Bernie himself as a candidate, the Republicans would have had an arm and hammer on every uh, political commercial.
1: Okay. We are going to stop this now because we don't want to revisit it at the moment because there's two Bernie bros uh, sharing the stage yeah. with you right yeah, now. Me and Adolfo. And he's yeah. even more Bernie than I am, if that's by, he loved Bernie in 2016. Oh my goodness. Uh, even more than I did, which is saying a lot. I do love Bernie Sanders. So we'll close it down. We're not going to revisit that one today, probably next week. Who knows? Adolfo Mondragon, thank you very much. Uh, Monroe Anderson, thank you very much. You guys are awesome. I also want to thank Producer Chris for doing an outstanding job as he always does. And one thing that Adolfo and Monroe Anderson agree on is that, Producer Chris, you should give yourself a raise and take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody.
0: And don't forget, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, get Benny J bonus interviews, bonus content, columns, and a whole lot more at chicagoreader.com. Follow Ben Jarofsky on Instagram at Benny J show and like, and subscribe to the Ben Jarofsky show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.